Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You either die a hero or you live long enough to listen to this podcast. This is In the Can, part of the Barnburner Podcast Network, and tonight we're talking Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. It's the 10th anniversary, baby. But first... Next time you want an adult beverage, and I know that I often do, be sure to try Memphis's newest spirit, Blue Note Bourbon. Blue Note Bourbon is artfully crafted in Memphis to honor the deep history of the Memphis blues. And like those blues, this bourbon is bold yet smooth. It's delicious, folks. It's a premium small batch bourbon that anyone over the age of 21 is sure to enjoy. Be noteworthy, Memphis. And now, here's the dark night. Where do we begin? A year ago, these uh, cops and lawyers wouldn't dare cross any of you. I mean, what happened? So what are you proposing? It's simple. Kill the Batman. (laughs) Here's my card. Bruce, this is Harvey Dent. Rachel's told me everything about you. I certainly hope not. You once told me that we'd be together. Did you mean it? Bruce, don't make me your only hope for a normal life. You're Alfred, right? That's right, sir. Any psychotic ex-boyfriends I should be aware of? Oh, you have no idea. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) We're tonight's entertainment. Well, hello, beautiful. You look nervous. I've seen now what I have to become to stop men like him. All right, I'm here with Kansas City Brett, a.k.a. at his request, Ready Player One. Brett, some people or some men aren't looking for any other podcast. They can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to listen to In the Can. Here's the thing. It's the 10th anniversary of The Dark Knight, and we've been circling this one on our calendars. This is a favorite movie of yours and I's. In fact, we've been quoting it for the past week uh, via text and or in person as much as we can. But first, Brett, are, are you wearing hockey pads right now? I'm not wearing hockey pads. <laughs> But some men do just want to watch the barn burn. Some men do just want to watch the barn burn. And that's we are what here. I'm here for. Let's, Let's go. go, puns. Let's go. Let's start out hot. Start out hot. Let me hit you with a quick plot summary. When the menace known as the Joker emerges from his mysterious past, he wreaks havoc and chaos on the people of Gotham. The Dark Knight, a.k.a. Batman, must accept one of his greatest psychological and physical tests and his ability to fight injustice. Pretty solid IMDb there. feel like, you know, they came in hot with a quick little review and uh, or a quick little plot summary, and it's pretty accurate. Yeah, they just forgot to mention that it was something that uh, Batman wasn't prepared for. He thought he could train. He thought he could prepare. He thought he could buy his way into solving any problem. And then he experienced the one thing he couldn't prepare for. He's taken to his limits in this movie. Uh, you can't talk this movie, and that's what we're going to start out with. We're going to do a little group chat hangout, general discussion, before we launch into some categories. You can't talk this movie unless you talk Heath Ledger as the Joker. So that's where we'll start. And also, this will be the point where feel free to bust out your Joker impression. If you got a Batman riff, do it. Like, this is like 
this is throughout this podcast. You never know. We're going to come at you with various impressions. Don't ever hesitate to do that. So what were your thoughts when Heath Ledger was cast in 2006? It was announced. The movie came out in 2008. Shortly after Batman Begins, we knew there was going to be a sequel. We knew the Joker was going to be the villain. Heath Ledger's announced. What pops through your head? What? Right. <laughs> well, why, yeah. though? Why, though? Uh, because Heath Ledger, so deep cut here, I've mentioned in my very first podcast, A Knight's Tale. Man, that's Heath Ledger for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know there's plenty of other movies out there with Heath Ledger, but uh, I didn't know how they were going to uh, cast my boy as the Joker. I didn't I didn't see him filling that smile of Jack Nicholson. It's a tough hang to follow Jack, too. You got Jack Nicholson in Batman 89. And he was, he was, you know, everyone liked that performance. It wasn't like he sucked. And then everyone was uh, like trying to look for that, finally, that good movie performance. So a lot of people didn't want the role because of that. I mean, Heath Ledger, dude, he's a heartthrob. You know, he's, he's a, a Knight's Tale is a good example. He's 10 Things I Hate About You, Heath Ledger, which is the first time I ever saw him. And he's just the guy that's in a ba- bunch of different movies. Ba- na- ba- na- na- <laughs> I love you, baby. Uh, I might incorporate that clip right now. All right, so the movies leading up to this movie, let me just give you the quick 10-movie uh, 10 filmography of Heath Ledger leading up to The Dark Knight. So you got uh, Monster's Ball in 2002, The Four Feathers in 2002, Ned Kelly in 2003, The Order in 2004, Lords of Dogtown in 2005, Brothers Grimm, same year, Brokeback Mountain, same year, Casanova, same year, Candy in 2006, and then I'm Not There in 2007 where he portrayed... Bob Dylan. So Heath Ledger came out of the gates hot. He's got 10 things I hate about you. He's got uh, the Patriot. He's got the Knight's Tale. And then I feel like he had just kind of squandered around. Those are not good movies that I just named. I mean, I feel like I you... didn't know several of them. Right. <laughs> I mean, the Brothers Grimm was a Terry Gilliam movie and it was yeah, like yeah. weird and very Terry Gilliam ish, but not one of his better ones. And so he was actually oh, kind of barely hanging in, in. The Men in Black of the Dark Ages. Right, right, exactly, exactly. The Men in Black of the Dark Ages, and so I don't know. He he hadn't really done anything super notable, and then for some reason, Christopher Nolan sees something in him that I guess prompted him to cast him as the Joker. Evidently, he he auditioned for Batman for Batman Begins. Did and, he okay, confirm yeah. that that he auditioned, or did he turn down the role? Something I heard audition, or at least in my half-assed internet research, I read that he auditioned. <laughs> so, like, cannot confirm or deny, but. He was auditioned and turned down for the role, but Ledger liked him. I'm sorry, but uh, no one liked him and like kind of kept him in mind. And then when Ledger heard that, that, that he was casting the Joker, that no one was casting the Joker, Ledger said he called the, Ledger's agent has said that, that Ledger wanted his agent to call Nolan and, and get an audition. And they sat down and like, this is really early before, like basically he Ledger's the only person to interview for the job. Like Nolan was like, what do you think of this character? And then Heath Ledger spun out his entire vision for the character in Nolan's universe. Mm-hmm. And he was like, all right, like, I don't have to interview anybody because it's exactly what I was thinking. Like, it's like when you hang out with a chick and you all just vibe. Like, I feel like Nolan and Ledger kind of banged there. I mean, I don't know if literally. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. I can't say. But uh, they, they definitely vibe. Insert Brokeback Mountain joke. <laughs> I mean, he was most famously known for Rogue Bad Mountain at this point. He's an Oscar nominee. Uh, it was, a, you know, an award-winning kind of artsy film at that point. He played a cowboy, kind of a lovelorn cowboy of Jake Gyllenhaal's character. And, I mean, he played the tough dude that was like, 
hidden his emotions within very understated characters. I feel like he played to this point. Mm-hmm. So it was weird when he was cast as this outlandish villain. So what was, okay. So what was the moment when you watched the movie when it came out? And of course, like during the trailers, we we're like, okay, maybe he's got it. What was the moment where you realized he was, he nailed it? Like, what was the moment where you're like, okay, like awesome. Sweet. I think it was when he said, I can't quit you. I think that's really when that movie uh, impacted me the most. Right, right, right. Uh, right. Now, what was the moment as the Joker that oh. he... Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. We were doing the Brokeback uh, Mountain podcast. Okay, Damn okay. it. That's a different one. <laughs> I'll cut this out and put that in the Brokeback Mountain podcast, and then we'll talk to Dark Knight right now. Yeah. Nice. Well, God, I mean, that opening scene, you just... I, 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 I don't know what my expectations were. I mean, I'm not... I don't overanalyze movies, especially in, you know, 10 years ago. I, movies were just, yeah, that's cool. I'll go see that. Sure. Uh, so just that opening scene, you're like, what just happened? Which is pretty cool, which because it's so cool, you kind of suspend your disbelief of what just happened <laughs> with a bus pulling out of the bank. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I mean, that's airtight, airtight like, bank robbery. Yeah. There's no background music. It's just like, a heist movie all of a sudden that's what you brought into and then all of a sudden oh whoa it's the joker he's part of it oh whoa it's a mom bank oh whoa yeah. he shot everybody yeah yeah it's a, it, it's a great introduction to what's is. about to happen in this movie it kind of started that whole trend of like the, the villain being introduced as the opening scene like the first five minutes of the movie just being this kind of like one-off prolude sort of thing but it was awesome very much an homage to heat the michael mann movie the 90s de niro and pacino and val kilmer uh and no one tried to do that that one because you're gonna have to tell me about it but what the heat heat is i haven't seen it it's just a a, a crime heist movie and like in one point like these dudes knock off a bank and they're wearing masks like it's but the way nolan shot the dark knight he was trying to make it like yeah it was a superhero movie and yeah a guy dresses up as a bat and a dude paints himself as a clown but really what we have here is a is a heist crime mafia drama and so that's that's sort of what he the vibe he went for. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly in the trailers, like the first time I saw him and the first time I heard the voice and the first time I saw him move, I was like, all right, like he's got something interesting here. And I'm not as much a slave to like, oh my, he's got to have like the dyed skin. He's got to have the like the the lips, you know, that are like frozen in place. Like he's yeah. all of the comic book elements. I was more like, is he the character? You know, like it doesn't care what he looks like. Like really, is he, does he act like the character in the comics? And does he have those, those personality traits uh, that we, you know, that had made the character so classic. The trailers honestly sold it for me. And that first picture, I was like, he's got something special. And when I saw he was talking about the various influences, like Alex DeLarge from A Clockwork Orange, I was like, okay, like he's going to do something special. And I mean, I'm going to wait to see it, but I'm hyped for it. So casting what ifs, these are, this is really funny because this is one of those roles you cannot imagine not being him. Mm-hmm. So it's really funny to hear the people that were up for the role. So uh, in my half-assed internet research, I uncovered Robin Williams heavy lobbied for this role. Willem Dafoe, uh, Sam Rockwell, and Adrian Brody. Those are like some of the four main ones I uncovered. What, what, how do you think either, any of those guys stack up here? I mean, into Nolan's movie. Like it, unless if Robin Williams was like going to go down that serious, scary road, which he rarely took. Like I couldn't. I mean, he'd be more of a Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Willem Dafoe, I mean, I, boring. That's just boring. Pops into my head. Same with Adrian Brody. Who cares? Um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard to imagine. It really is. It, it's almost stupid to imagine anyone else just because, like, I mean, Ledger just is the guy now. Like, he's so synonymous with this role. Especially because it was his last one, R.I.P. Uh, and then I, I, I could see Rockwell, but 
really, I didn't, see, I mean, the same way I couldn't have seen Ledger do it. I guess any of these guys could have also done it because acting's acting, but now I just don't want to see any of these guys. So, yeah. I mean, like you got worth talking about, right? I mean, it, yeah, I mean, he, Ledger, he, he creates his own makeup. Like he does, he, he goes on a trailer, they give him the shit and he comes out with the makeup that we now know. He locks himself in a hotel room for six weeks, comes up with the voice, comes up with the posture, the hunched over aspect of it, and uh, and wrote a diary, like famously, about you know the Joker's inner thoughts and whatnot. And so you say famously. Do you think all of that stuff would have came out if he hadn't died? Yeah, I, yeah. I think that, yeah, I think that all would have come out. I think that the Joker or the diary would be on sale if he'd still be alive. Uh, yeah. I think it seems almost more macabre to release that. But because of the dumb subplot of like people thinking that he killed himself. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's talked about now and kind of his like documentaries. And so I think they would have released it as like a to make more money off of it, honestly. But now it feels weird to do that. I mean, he directed the joke, the homemade videos in the movie, the ones where he like has the handheld camera and like he, he, he pleasure himself. Yeah, that was fucking nuts. Uh, he himself, man, he, he, he wanted to be a director. Like you look at, you watch the videos and documentaries about him. All of his friends say like this guy, he was grooming himself to direct. He watched all of the, the, the directors he worked for. He was on set every scene. He didn't have to shoot for, to watch Christopher Nolan do his thing. Cause Christopher Nolan's a good director, you know, notable director. So like he was kind of honing himself to do that. Do you buy the whole Heath Ledger went crazy in real life by playing the Joker thing? Because they say, and whether this is conspiracy or cover up or whatever, like they say it was an accident. So it's hard. It's hard to believe that that you know that he was driven insane by this, and that he. Uh, I choose to believe that he was such an amazing actor that it didn't affect him. He was he was acting his role just the same the same way as like Christian Bale. He's super super gets into his character, and you can't even walk. You know, famously, you can't even walk walk by on the set without pissing him off. But right. outside of that, you know, he knows he's acting. Um, he's, we, we don't have a Shia LaBeouf on our hands here. So. <laughs> Sadly, we don't. Uh, Shia is the Joker. Let's explore Shia as the Joker. No, just kidding. Oh, God. Yeah, I would. That, now, he might have actually uh, started murdering people. But, like, yeah. so, I, I mean, I, I for, from the get-go, hated this because I thought it kind of discredited him and, like, the death and, like, the movie. It felt like a really, like, uh, stupid effort to get a story out of it. But there's multiple stories on set about him, like, coming back to his trailer and like just the, the deck hands on set, like the assistant directors or sound guys or whatever, he'd get off the scene. He'd, he'd be talking about his daughter. He'd be like saying, what's for lunch or like, whatever, like, and he hugged, uh, there's he hugged people when he got on the set, when he got off the set, yeah. it's like, yo bro, what's good. He, I mean, he's just a chill. He's just a bro. Honestly, like he ledger was totally a bro. Like he was just like a surfing Australian bro. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, as there's scenes, like there's behind the scenes shit of him on the set, like skateboarding around, in the Joker costume. And it's just like, it's really funny, but I think it's bullshit. There's a good story um, that I watched. So five years after this movie came out, Aaron Eckhart, who plays Two-Face, Harvey Dent in this movie, was on Larry King. And Larry King asked him about it and said like, so what was he like on set? He was like, dude, he was like completely intense when he was in character. Like the hospital scene he told, he said that um, he was in the hospital bed and Ledger was walking around the perimeter of the set and no one just let the cameras roll and just said like, you guys go when you're ready. And like he said, Ledger walked around like the perimeter of the room, just like talking to himself and just like doing weird ticks, like <laughs> like shit like that. You, you look up the video. It's, it's yeah. really funny to watch uh, him talk about it. And then he said suddenly like Ledger just walked up to him and then like instinctively Harvey Dent, a.k.a. Aaron Eckhart, like 
raised up his hand, like just oh, like instinctively okay. launched. And then he said Ledger like grabbed his arm like really quick and just like, like they went into the scene and that was the one like they shot. And it's just like that, and, you know, then they did this really intense scene, you know, the hospital scene in the movie. And then right after it was over, they were walking back to their trailers and apparently Eckhart's trailer was right next to Ledger's. And on the way back, he was like slapped uh, Aaron Eckhart on the back. He's like, fucking hey man that's what acting's about isn't it like and just like i could just hear him saying it you know and like because he was acting he's a good actor he's an academy award-winning actor that's what it was it was acting like he's i mean he, he might have like gotten in the character when he needed to but i just can't buy that and anytime people say it, that's like one easy way to trigger me is talking about heath ledger like killing himself because he played this character like i just think it's stupid and an and easy story but i hate that hate that i think it's dumb especially considering we have set stories about how he like totally was cool. So let's talk the Hans Zimmer score real quick too. Cause classic Nolan, like bum, 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 bum. And Inception's the worst, but this is a good score. I mean, the Heath Ledger Joker uh, motif with the, like, it's got like these stringed instruments and it's like this high note and it bends up and it sounds like you're like on the edge of, it, it creates anxiety and just like the character does. And it started to get to a point when you can hear the song starting to play in the movie and you're like ready for some shit to happen because you can hear you can hear it in the background like there's little strings like sounds like ticking clocks playing and then slowly but surely it builds up to some like crazy moment. Did you notice that when you watched it? Definitely. Like the, the scene that most comes to mind is the fairies like like that. It's, you know, it's the climax. It's right. You think it's the climax of the movie and then we got Two-Face. Right. Uh, <laughs> Tacked on at the end there. Yeah. But yeah, I mean that's totally. It's just, it's also the same when they're uh, when he's shooting the mayor when he's dressed up as a cop and it's like you hear the timer ding and then and then yeah. and you, but you hear the music yeah ramping up right before that too and it, but it goes silent yeah definitely it's it's a good use of the non sound I would say yeah there's a lot of really cool sound drop offs in this movie and like the sound is really effectively used I mean one a couple of moments that I think of one like when they're transporting Harvey Dent and the truck chase is about to happen. And the sound drops out and it's just, the, it's this high helicopter shot of the cars, like in the dark Gotham night and they're approaching the, the fire truck on fire mm-hmm. and like the, the sound kind of drops out and you can start to hear the Joker music coming. Like before you realize anything's going to happen and you realize some shit's about to go down. And then another time when Harvey Dent just got like burned and he's like grabbing the coin, realizing that Rachel's dead and he's like, and the sound drops out and he's like freaking insane. out in the hospital bed. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. like a really effective scene. Like in, would not have been as effective without dropping the sound out like that. So really clever uses of score and sound. And Hans Zimmer certainly doesn't get, I feel like the notoriety that he deserves. Like if John Williams had recorded the score, everyone would lose their minds over it, you know, but the fact that it wasn't John Williams, I don't know. Just one of those guys that gets made fun of, I think unjustifiably because of the boom, boom, boom. I mean, South Park really just ruined him. Just fucking <laughs> dropped a people's elbow on him. Like he's just left for dead. Uh, all right. So at the same time, bringing his name to the consciousness of uh, five five million uh, (laughs) of like like ten thousand kind of fat guys that are like in their late thirties and white South Park. Shout out you guys, love South Park. All right. So is 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 all right. This is a conversation that needs to be had, which is wild. Is is the Joker the greatest movie villain of all time? 
Like, is he the greatest on-screen movie villain that's ever been on film? Let me give you some examples. Uh, I'm going to give you a villain. You're going to say Joker's better or Joker's not or whatever. Okay. So okay. let's, all right. Hannibal the Cannibal played by Anthony Hopkins. Taking a long time here. Yeah, I'm thinking you're going to cut all this out. I wasn't ready for this game. <laughs> um, That's what we do here in the can. Yeah. Yeah. What what do you what are your comparison? We'll come points back. We'll here? come back. What again. are your comparison points? That's what I want. I mean, it's subjective. It's all subjective. All right, we'll go to the next one. Tanner Day Lewis, Bill the Butcher, Gangs of New York. Oh, way better. Joker. Hans Gruber, Die Hard. <laughs> Joker. Sauron, Lord of the Rings. Joker. Kaiser Soze, Usual Suspects. I haven't seen that one. What? No, oh, no, no, you no. got to watch that. We got to do a Usual Suspects podcast. All right, Michael Myers, Halloween. See, now this is the point where I start debating to me. So who you named before was more like the Joker is he's in your face. He's touchable. He's there, but you can't catch him because he's somehow miraculously 10 steps ahead. Like Sauron, he's just a big, scary guy who could end the world at any time. You know, I'm 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 looking for the reason that he's scary is because you have no idea what's going to happen next. He's not a world ending villain. He's a. Flip a coin, put a gun in your, my hand, and maybe I get to kill him type of villain. So that's, mm-hmm. that's to me, the, the more powerful part of this. So Michael Myers, is he better or worse than Michael Myers? I see Michael Myers. You can be, this is subjective. This is Brett's yeah, opinion. Yeah, I know. Is, yeah. yeah. He, he, he's, he, if he's in the room with you, you know you're about to die. So I guess that finality might be less scary than what the hell is the Joker about to do. Okay. So Joker trumps Michael Myers. Yeah. Okay. Norman Bates, Psycho. That's just creepy. Um, Joker, you know that it, you know that something weird's going to happen. I don't like this game. <laughs> this is tough. I'm giving you some hard yeah. hitters right now. I'm throwing some fastballs straight down the pipe right now. Yeah, I'm going to call that one a draw. Uh, Anton Chigurh, No Country for Old Men. Ugh, he, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually, God, I called a draw previously, but now you've just upped the ante with an even better on-screen villain. Okay. So even uh, more draw. So, but I might edge that one to Anton. Okay, that's fair. I that's honestly fair. might. Yeah, he got me. He <laughs> he got me in that movie. Okay, uh, Donald Trump in real life. <laughs> uh, sorry, I had to throw that in. Agent Smith. That what came to my mind immediately was uh, was Kim Jong Il from. Uh, Oh, that, uh, yeah, the with the Franco movie. and... No, no, the animation movie. Uh, oh, oh, uh, Amer- Team America. Team America. Yeah, you got fuck out. <laughs> yeah. When you say Tom, uh, Donald Trump villain, that's who comes to mind. Yeah. Agent Smith, The Matrix. He's not scary until, I don't know, until he starts multiplying against Neo's power. Like, when you think Neo's God level, and then Agent Smith can can handle it for a while. Yeah, he starts growing himself and being able yeah. to fight him, fight one yeah. Neo with, like, a stick. And they're all like CGI guys flying around. Yeah. <laughs> Last but not least, and this one will resonate especially with you, and you'll probably wonder or Don't be surprised if I haven't said it yet. Darth Vader. No, Darth Vader. Anakin okay. Skywalker. Go fuck uh, yourself. I got your ass. <laughs> uh, Darth Vader never scared me. Okay. And okay. maybe it's just because he's so damn cool. Yeah. Whereas uh, the I mean, Joker, like the Joker, you're not like, oh, I could get that. Like Darth Vader, you're like, damn, he's he's got the force and he's so controlled and he's so scary and domineering. Whereas mm-hmm. the Joker, not controlled and doesn't really have anything special going on, but this magical luck where everything happens <laughs> right for him. Right. 
That's true. And <laughs> something we might get into later. But personally, I think he's the great. I mean, I think he's not only one of the greatest movie villains, but maybe, maybe, hot take, burning hot barn burner take, might be the best screen performance that we've seen. Just when you factor in all of the elements to like what happened with his performance and like him as an actor, he was, he, Brett, he was 27 years old when he filmed this movie. He was years younger than you and I are recording this right now when he, when he recorded this role. He was 28 when he died. He, he, he died younger than both of us at this point, which is kind of crazy to think about. The fact that like he took this role that could have been kind of meh because the role itself is not written super well. It has some good scenes, but it's not just like a Hannibal written well. You know, it's not like the Coen brothers wrote the Joker, like Anton Chigurh. Yeah. It's Nolan who's he not like a... contributed. Yeah, yeah. The Joker, and right. he improved some of the best things we love about this movie. So, yeah. Yeah, keep going. Keep I think he gets, you know, he gets those points. Like he... And and I've never been riveted to the degree. Like I was ready for this villain. I love like the idea of this villain. I love crazy villains. Villains to me are really fun to watch in movies. So when he came on screen and just lit everything on fire and controlled an entire generation of people and, you know, resonated so much with the pop culture. Like it's just when you wrap all those things together, he's got to be it. Like he's just got like people aren't dressing up as Anton Chigurh and like Halloween, you know, it's not. It's not, you know, affecting the guy, like the three-year-old or the eight-year-old that lives down the street with you as much as it is you, as much as it is like your 35-year-old, like older cousin or whatever. Like everyone could talk about this. And it just, I think when you factor all those things in, that's what makes it a great movie villain, but also just like an incredible performance, like a Marlon Brando level Godfather performance. I mean, this is one 50 years from now, it'll be up there. It's like it's in that conversation. And the fact that you can say that without someone laughing their ass off at you is insane. And we got to see that in theaters. Like the Godfather came out 30 years before I was born 15. That's, that's a ridiculous overstatement, but you know, a long time before I was born. And so, you know, it's like, I didn't get to see that. Like, I understand it's good, but like to be in the theaters for this was really cool. And mm-hmm. something that I don't ever take for granted. Uh, Cause this is one you just show everyone like your kids and everything. So there's my passionate Heath Ledger speech for the Academy. Oh wait, you already gave him the award. Um, okay, so shouts to Heath Ledger, RIP, rest in peace wherever you are. The biggest miss you every day, buddy. Miss you, babe. Uh, you know the biggest shitty part about talking about this movie is thinking about what all he would have done had he not died. Like, think about how many DiCaprio roles he would have gotten and not fucked them up. Basically, <laughs> selfishly, like I'd love to see him in The Revenant. I would have loved to see him in Django Unchained. I would love to see him in Inception. I would have loved to see him in. He probably gets Inception, right? Like, if he doesn't die, he just he was just in a Nolan movie. And killed it. No one always casts the same guys. Like he probably gets the main role in Inception. And like, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's better, but like, I don't know. Like, just to watch his career would have been amazing. And that's just a bummer. But R.I.P. When are we gonna are we gonna cast him in movies? No, that's a different podcast. I think we need to do the Heath Ledger hypothetical casting in another podcast. Okay, yeah. move on with the Dark Knight. Let's do it. Still talking the Dark Knight. Thanks for keeping with us. Uh, let's go move into our Reddit nerd over analysis nitpicky plot holes section. So this movie is replete with plot holes, and Reddit's very aware of it. Uh, your the whore on the street corner is aware of it. Um, your your buddy and your fraternity is aware of it, and like everybody is aware of it because it's, it has a lot of them. And it might be a bad movie that features some really good performances record scratch. Yeah. Which feels really, really bad to say, like, it feels like I'm betraying it, but it might be, I, we're just going to talk through a few of them. Okay. So, so I'm going to start with the bank robbery bus, the beginning, 
uh, Joker robs a bank, and his exit is by getting in a school bus that had previously backed through a granite wall, which, first of all, no way, right? Like, there's no, no way. way, but whatever. Like, it's a movie. Like, so backs in, Joker gets in, he has all the money in there. He pulls out of this bank, or this bank, leaving a huge gaping hole, concrete and brick cascading off the school bus, and pulls right in line with other school buses that are like, you know, in theory, going to school or whatever. Just another day in Gotham City. <laughs> wow, huh? Look at that school bus there. Just pulled right out of that bank. Wow, those kids must be needing their milk money. I don't know. There's got to be some stupid line you could put in there, right? But, I mean, outrageous that, like, the cops are driving right by, like, right then. Don't go like, oh, that thing just pulled right out of that hole in the bank. And also, the timing of that. Because here's the thing. Joker takes the moment to deliver the whatever doesn't kill you makes you stranger monologue to the bank manager, right? Mm. That he didn't have to do, that he had no intention of doing. You could tell until the bank manager like mouthed off at him, you know? So then he delivers this like extra 17 second monologue to this guy. And because of that pulls out perfectly in time. Like if, what if he hadn't done that? Then I guess he would have waited, but like, how did he know he could deliver that monologue and still make the exact timing of pulling into the narrow gap of school buses, Brett. How? I mean, we can speculate. We can speculate for days, but uh, it didn't happen that way. So, <laughs> well, I mean, so the thing about the Joker's like plan is, Joker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everything goes right. Like, there's a lot of right talk about him plotting all this and well in advance and having all these people in place, like in the infrastructure of Gotham, and like he had all the money he needed. But like, the fact is, it really doesn't matter because he doesn't care if his plan happens. He's, I mean, that's his whole thing. Ultimately, if he fails or if like he gets caught, whatever, he doesn't care. It is, I think his like devil may care attitude kind of almost lends itself to like luck, if that makes sense. And you also, he could be so, so far advanced that you think it's luck. And really it was one of 80 plans that he had set in motion. It's true. Yeah. I mean, that's his, the whole comic book. The other plan was for the cops to bust him and pull him over with the mafia's money and for him to name the mafia members who, uh, contributed to that bank or whatever. Like we don't, that's, that's, that's the scary part about the Joker to me is maybe he had 75 other plans set up and that's the one we saw because that's the way it played out. It's true. It's true. And they, they kind of set him forth as that kind of villain, the, the plotting maniacal multiple plans villain. So you wrote Hong Kong. What do you got? Oh God. (laughs) Hong Kong. (laughs) All right. So I'm kind of in, I'm in defense of Hong Kong. I'm in Hong Kong's corner. Oh, God, you like Hong Kong, huh? <laughs> Mr. Fox, a simple phone call would have sufficed. <laughs> oh, goddamn Mongolians! <laughs> uh, mentioning South Park. Uh, the whole thing, I mean, it's cool. It's, it's, it's eye candy. It's just like, oh, man, Batman can scheme just as good as anybody else in the universe and set up this perfect plan. But... W- <sighs> Was he there for days, like watching the building? How did he know that the exact guy that he wanted was in the building at 9 p.m. at night? How did he time it perfectly for the guys who blew radar the whole way across all of China to come rescue him from the building with the guy? Um, How come the guys, just like in every Batman movie, how come the guys with guns ran towards Batman and waited till they were six inches away before they tried to do anything besides shoot him. There is a moment where, like the I can't Lao is that the the banker? Yeah, Lao. 
Lau. Lau and another guy do shoot at him and he runs away and disappears. And then the rest of the security team comes up and he grab he like sneaks out and grabs Lau like a ninja because Batman's a ninja and I get that. But like it's just to me, it's just that the same way that Joker has these things that miraculously happen, like people are miraculously the stupidest henchmen ever when faced with Batman. And that's the part that it's like, oh, come on. Like, this is an awesome scene. And the first time I saw it, I didn't have any questions. I was like, oh, yeah, he got that guy. <laughs> he, he flew out the do- with a window and the airplane picked him up. Yeah. <laughs> he timed it perfectly. Skyhook, Master Wayne. <laughs> but but yeah. on on 27th viewing, you start to question, yeah. like, why are That's kind of most movies, though, on 27th viewing. Like yeah, I... I don't know. I don't feel like this. This is just superhero shit. This is just action set piece in an action movie. It's like, oh, we need to let Batman do a thing to remind everyone that he's Batman. Like, that's, yeah. you know, yeah, it doesn't make sense. And yeah, like, all the elements of it are a little bit hokey because it's all Superman or superhero y, but I get its point, I guess. And like, that, you know, for the rest of the things in this movie, that some of which like really don't make sense, like, really, really don't make sense, that I can deal with a little like side quest to, Hong Kong to fuck some dudes up and have a cool like, oh, we got Christian Bale standing on the side of this big ass skyscraper, and we actually it was actually Christian Bale and all that. Like that's cool, you know. I, I get that, and so I can live with that despite the fact some parts of it are a little hokey. It still holds up. I mean the the CGI and like the jumping off and like the I like the shooting, you know, the gun like he shoots the times like explosives on the window. That was cool. Like it's cool. It's but, totally Batman. Like it's yeah. it's it feels very Batman exactly. Yeah, and a lot absolutely. of movies don't capture that. But it is like there are, yeah, like henchmen around Batman are just idiots. And of course you could say, no, Batman's just really badass. But like also, come on, you know, I feel like if you gave me like a Glock, like a full clip and like I was 50 feet away from Batman, like that motherfucker would be dead, man. Like I would just like unload a clip in him, like, you know, like and and I wouldn't yeah. go close to him, but whatever. We both can agree we'd beat up Batman. I think like we're pretty badass, I think is what we're coming to terms with here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Commissioner Gordon fake death. So the the Commissioner Gordon fakes his death during like a march thing, like uh, uh, the the funeral of the Commissioner Loeb, the previous he commissioner. Takes the bullet. Yeah, he he dives in front of Commissioner of, of the mayor, and and when the Joker attempts to assassinate the mayor, as he promised on, in the newspaper, presumably dies. Like at least it acts like he dies in terms of everyone except for maybe a select few. And his his wife and his kids, he lets he lets them think that he's dead. It's like, dude, you could have told them, you know, like just tell your <laughs> your wife. Well, terrible. So in in his defense, there, who are the people that the Joker probably has monitored twenty four seven? Yeah, he didn't want. I guess he didn't want his the the wife and the kids to be subject to danger there. But like, not even danger. Just if my wife theoretically knew that I was faking my death she wouldn't be as devastated as if she thought I was dead. And he didn't want that in my, in my mind here, commissioner Gordon, not commissioner Gordon at the time, but yeah, uh, Lieutenant Gordon. yeah, Lieutenant Gordon wouldn't want his family acting as if they knew that he wasn't dead. So that the Joker who has people obviously watching them knows something's up and kidnaps them or steals them or whatever. Like, like to me, I, I I don't have an issue with the fake death. I don't <laughs> I don't believe that nobody knew. 
and that he was just happened to be driving the car that had <laughs> Harvey Dent in it. And nobody was like, Oh, Hey, it's Commissioner. <laughs> like who's the guy in the mess? You know, Hope you got, got some moves, pal. We, yeah, we've got the Joker who obviously has infiltrated the police and we should know every single person who touches anything within a hundred yards of these people we're trying to protect. But, Oh, here's a masked guy driving a truck. <laughs> Let's hope he's cool. Oh, I got to say like, Every time that scene comes up, I forget that's Gordon. I forget that's Gordon. I know Gordon shows up at some point, but like I always forget the guy driving is Gordon, and then he has no lines throughout, like yeah. inevitably. And then when he stops the truck and the guy's like, what the hell are you doing? Like we're like sitting ducks or whatever. I feel like he says sitting ducks five times, but then like Gordon hops out and stops the Joker. Like I was like, oh, yeah, that was fucking Gordon the whole time. Like that, that's, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I mean – it makes semi sense, but also like, it's just a kind of a movie funny thing. It, you're, it's true that like, he's trying to protect his family and like, he's trying not to let the Joker put more squeak. Cause he knows the Joker will be able to figure out his family. He knows the Joker will go after like the one, his loved ones. I guess it kind of makes sense. So what do we got next? We got the um, Joker and Cobb besides that's that scene. Like he's like so malevolent looking, like he might be the most evil looking person of all time. Like he's like pale. He's got like fucking, scars up his face smile yeah he's got like darkened makeup around yeah glasgow smile he's got darkened makeup around his eyes he's like he he looks dirty he looks like a villain like very much so and this guy somehow gets a cop you know like kidnaps some cops puts on their uniform they get the rifles and they like somehow no one notices that somehow no one in the police force like doesn't notice these guys aren't Mm -hmm. come on come on not possible yeah, not plausible. I think even like even movie terms, like you notice the guy that's like the he's already famous. He's the Joker, and then you notice a guy with scars in his and face. They're on high alert, and people have been killed by this notorious criminal. Like, right. they wouldn't give somebody a gun. <laughs> they wouldn't give seven people a gun who weren't completely background checked. Like, imagine that happening in New York City today. Imagine seven people pretending to be cops at the death of the commission, the police commissioner. And thinking they could get away with it. like. <laughs> well, I guess it was like they, they kidnapped, they gave the guns to seven other real cops that were background checked. And then at some point, the Joker and his crew kidnapped those guys. The guys tied around the pole up in the apartment. And then they took the uniforms and guns from those guys. I don't know how or when they would have been able to do this prior to the parade, but they did. And so then they have those guys' uniforms and guns. I don't know. Yeah. It, it, when I... I've always, so that's a different interpretation. What I've always thought, the guys that were tied up in the hotel room or whatever, where the telescope is and they shoot at yeah. Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought those guys were positioned around that hotel and they got tied up. And maybe that's who you're talking about. But that would mean that the Joker's men had to take out those guys who were positioned in Sniper's Nest and seven guys who should have been marching in the parade. Is that what you're saying? No, those guys weren't positioned. Those were those were guys that were supposed to be marching in the parades because they're all in boxers and like undershirts. Yeah. Therefore, they were stripped. And, right. But I thought that they. Were oh, then there would have been guys. seven guys in the. Yeah. No, in those the, those like, guys were supposed to be in the parade. Okay, I always imagined them as being posted where the Joker had, like he set Bruce Wayne up with that telescope. I imagined there was supposed to be a cop in that window, sniping the or like overwatching the parade. And the Joker's men took out all the guys from that building so that they could set up the telescopes. I didn't imagine that those were the guys who should have been marching in the. Parade. Those are the guys. Uh, those are the guys who should have been marching. I think. I mean, that, I think that only makes sense. But why he puts them up there, and why he sets up the telescope, and why he sets up the timer doesn't make any sense. The timer is in case someone got up there. 
Well, then he goes. Bruce Wayne goes to that location because it's the location of the guy they found. It's the apartment of the guy of the yeah yeah. yeah. So he's he's anticipating, or just one of his twenty. Maybe he had snipers nests set up in twenty different places around, like anticipating the Batman would have thought that maybe he would have gone to the most unlikely place and tried to shoot him, or like under the stage or whatever. Like we don't know what the Joker did that we didn't see, and that's the part that yeah. There's just a lot of goofy. You know, like we've seen this movie, both of us, like 25 times, and we both came up with different conclusions of that scene, right? Like that right there is a testament to like, I don't know really what's going on. Fundraising party. Uh, Joker comes in, crashes it, looking for Harvey Dent, uh, dumps the Rachel out of the window. Oh, very poor choice of words. Choice of words. (laughs) Uh, And then Batman jumps out of the window, catches Rachel. They fall, and then they land on a very soft place the car <laughs> and then they have like a little moment together while like batman's guests and bruce wayne's guests over be the crushed body of the cabbie sitting directly underneath <laughs> the car that they crushed. no they were on the hood there i think I, I i think they were on the hood yeah and the cabbie was directly under the hood oh the hood not the top no yeah, i don't yeah, yeah. i don't think the hood has that much give they've got an engine well, block no, in, their, like, in, no, their, like, in their organs they were on the hood they were on the hood I, i'm pretty sure they were because it shows the cabbie for a split second I love the idea of them laying on top of the corpse of the cabbie. <laughs> yeah, and then like they just chill, and like the Joker's up there at the party, and he doesn't do anything. I, I, they they needed just a ten second, r- really to fix this. They need fifteen seconds of Heath Ledger coming out of it like like a bat out of hell with his crew. I don't think any of the party guests are going to stop the Joker because he's fucking crazy, and like who's going to stand in his way after all this? So I think he leaves the party fine, unscathed. I get that. Then he takes the elevator down, which takes a long time. It's like up there at the top of the building. He comes out the entrance where Batman is. He's down there. He's at the ground floor. And then Batman just goes like, all right, see you later, bro. Like, I'm going to fight, leave this Something for another day. should have happened. Did you forget to write the oh, end of that bro. scene? Whoops. <laughs> Whoopsie. <laughs> oh, dude. Like, yeah. how do you, when you edit that and watch it, like, granted, when I first watched this movie, I didn't think anything of this. But, yes, it doesn't make any sense. But as someone that's seen this movie a billion times like you have when you're the director and the editor, how do you not think like, wow, we just need to add like a little bit. And you know, what's funny. I've read some in my half-assed internet research. I think that uh, they oh, shot right. some scenes. They shot an exit scene where he comes down and gets in the back of like a cab, like a, like a taxi cab. And he has like one of his henchmen driving it. And then like, and then he's in the back of the cab and his henchman turns around and says something. The Joker delivers a line. Like there's like a scene of him leaving and getting driven away. Still, I mean, Batman. Like, how was the party, boss? Oh, you know, the usual. Yeah, like, and that that would have been maybe you have another chance for a little funny line there. Like, oh, the shrimp was overcooked or whatever, you know, whatever he would have said. Like, yeah, I mean, just Batman needs to chase his ass. Like, it would have saved everything if he just, like, tried a little harder right then. Yeah. What went wrong? <laughs> I mean, we have so many of these. We have, like, six, like, six to seven bullet points of shit that doesn't make sense. Well, and I mean, I'm not even done with the joker's men in cop uniform shooting at the, the mayor <laughs> i mean we, we can't we, i feel like we can't just talk forever about like problems with Bill. we can't we definitely can't and no one can this is the yeah. end of camp podcast anything's that anything's uh ready to go what do you think about the uh batman mysteriously on the scene uh thing like he i need 10 minutes 10 minutes before you've been contaminated so gordon has all this trust in batman when it's convenient and then when it's not convenient like at the end of the movie when batman's like I need two minutes to prove that the hostages are hostages and that there's not something he's there's always, it's never how it looks with the Joker. I can't remember what that line was, but when they're going into the building at the end and he finally catches the Joker, mm-hmm. the hostages are caught clowns and 
whatever. But he's like, he's like, I need two minutes. And Gordon's like, no, we have to move now. Gordon walks in on a scene with two dead people and Batman's standing in the dark in the corner and Gordon doesn't bat an eye. He's like, I need 10 minutes before your men contaminate it. And Gordon's like, get out. Get everybody get out. Like, <laughs> there's no question. Like, why are you here? How do you always know where the dead bodies are? <laughs> right. I guess at this point, because the events of Batman begins, it's just they've got that established, like, no questions asked relationship. Because there's been six months between Batman Begins and Dark Knight of him kicking ass, like busting crime. So I guess, you know, I, like maybe there's some sort of relationship there. But yeah, it is sketchy. Well, and that's and how does he even end up there? He listens to He's got the, the radio cell waves. Yeah. He hears the call come in from the Joker to the police station. Oh, the Joker car's a police station. Okay, yeah, because he goes like, you'll find Harvey Dent. Or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Officer Rachel Dawes. So like they set up, a, I mean, Joker telegraphs who he's going to kill. What, what don't you like about that? It's not that I don't like about that. It's I'm going back. The odds that he could have set up that guy to be captured by yeah. Harvey Dent for him to see it. It goes all the way back to how do they how do they impersonate six police officers in the middle of this parade for Commissioner Gordon? Obviously, unless he knew that somehow they would grab that one guy, all six or seven of them had to have the officer Rachel Dawes on their uniform. Right. And you're telling me that hanging around before the parade, the rest of the guys with guns weren't like, "Hey, why do all of your name tags say Officer Rachel Dawes?" Or literally anybody question anything about that scene and why it happened. Come on. <laughs> why are you here? Why do you, why is your face cut up like that? Exactly like a supervillain terrorizing our city right now. <laughs> hey, we're in Osama the bin Laden, like showing up at Piccadilly <laughs> or something and like, like going through the line and someone being like, wow, you look like Osama bin Laden. <laughs> And then they blows up Piccadilly. It's and you like, got a gun. That's funny. <laughs> wow, super weird. He has like a he has like a thing that says like George W. Bush on his name tag or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is goofy. No doubt. Uh, there's really no explanation for it. <laughs> yeah, Joe Bruce Wayne's penthouse. Bruce's penthouse is the safest place in the city. Like three scenes Even after, though like, I was thrown out of the window of it. <laughs> it's not like I have any bad memories of that place. I'm the sure the window's repaired by now. Out of that building, yeah. He uh, probably did triple plane pane ga- glass, so you know, no worries. Yeah, like this little like freaking snub nose revolver, like blows out a pane of that shit. No way, right? Like that. If anything, it just little hole in it like it doesn't break the pain yeah yeah i'm divert to lower fifth like at the truck chase the yeah it's like there's just like a little thing in the way it's like not even totally blocking the road like the the the, yeah there's four other ways or i love the uh, fire truck on fire that to me is like the definition of chaos and right in line with the love that scene dumpster fire but yeah it's the thing that should be putting out the dumpster fire exactly exactly And so I, I, I love that that image of it and like the sound, the score starting like the Joker score. And so it's like a magical part of the movie. But then when he says that, it's like that doesn't make any sense, you know, like. Well, and then immediately after that, he says, we'll be like fish in a barrel down there after yeah. after he says that. How many how many freaking animal metaphors does this guy have? He's got like <laughs> <laughs> we'll be like fish in a barrel down there. Oh, we're sitting ducks. <laughs> like this cop's just like throwing out random cop idioms here and there. <laughs> I feel like that's Christopher Nolan as a British guy, like thinking about how he thinks American cops talk, but really, like, it's not at all. <laughs> oh yeah, cops like, say oh, that, right? Like ducks, right? Yeah, cops, cops say that, right? Uh, Christopher Nolan, right. like, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, mate. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, the fucking Americans. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. <laughs> oh, man. All right, here's something that I really hate. The prisoner boat evacuation. So you got one boat ferry of all citizens. You got one boat ferry of criminals. Why? Why would they leave citizens on an area in which the Joker, who's already blown up multiple things, has threatened there to be bombs to take a ferry of criminals across the river? There's a throwaway line in there about some bullshit. Like the mayor says some shit. He's like, oh, we got to do this. But like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And there's no way that would happen. And I don't remember what it is. I don't remember what Gordon's reason was, but there's a throwaway line about it. It's like, we need to get these guys because they could be like Joker's henchmen or something like, but no matter what, no matter how many throwaway lines you put in there, it doesn't make any sense. The priority is the citizens, right? Like, (laughs) And it's not as fun if you have, I mean, for the Joker to have two boats of citizens. I mean, yeah. for his, like, plot. You, when you say the Joker, you mean Chris Nolan, right? Is there a difference? Uh, oh, have they ever been in the same room at the same time? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> hey, did, did the cops say it's darker than midnight under a skid out here? Do they say things like that or make you slap your mammy? Yeah, yeah, mate. Yeah, mate. Yeah, 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 mate, yeah, 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 mate. yeah that's what they say. They definitely say that. Oh shit! Uh, no one will... of chaos. <laughs> I know the thing about chaos. It's fair. It's fair. <laughs> See, we're just riffing Joker lines for left and right. How does he rig explosives in the in a hospital like of the ginormous metropolitan area, completely undetected? I have to believe that he did it four months before any of this. I think he did all this stuff. I, yeah, I think that his plan has been put into motion well before, but that doesn't mean that there's his any plan. point. This plan, not his plan, this plan of his 80 plans that are out there. Oh, right. I'm yeah, going to yeah. keep reiterating that. This plan. Like, I still, there's not a point where you can roll in 40 barrels of, like, whatever explosive device you have into a hospital undetected. No way. No way. But it's uh, none of my business. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Kermit drinking tea. Yeah. Why does Harvey Dent not realize that Joker is, in fact, the Joker when he's dressed as a nurse until he takes off a tiny surgical mask? He's very clearly the Joker. Yeah, but I mean the lighting. You know, Christopher Nolan uses a lot of blue. Uh, <laughs> he's colorblind. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you're right. That's one. Th- that one. He totally only has one me. good eye. Yeah, it's just funny when the little mask comes off. He's like, <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> like, how is someone not like that? Doesn't make any sense. Like. Yeah, but I mean, that is the only part of this movie that doesn't make any sense, so oh, we should right. forgive it. Yeah, we should. That's just the one minor element of it. You're right, moving on. Um, is this movie I mean, I, just I don't work in hospitals for a living, and uh, I don't have to show my security badge to every single person that I walk by as I walk through the halls of these hospitals, you know. A hospital that hosts a, a injured, very public official, um, and it is on high alert with a, a national terrorist currently terrorizing the city that kind of hospital yeah yeah no i've never once uh been been questioned or uh had to show my badge or <laughs> anything you know yeah so it makes sense right yeah all right this movie suck and just happened to feature one of the greatest performances of all time if you are a uh film snob then maybe it sucks if you are someone like me who just wants to be entertained it's on the it's on the spectrum of greatest movie of all time. Hmm. When you're let's see here, ten years ago, nineteen years old. Yeah, that was it was dope when I yeah. Still is dope. Watch it last night. 
I don't think it does suck. I think it's pretty good. I think it's a good movie that features a great performance. I don't think it's a great movie that features a great performance. I think it's a good movie, though, and it has a lot of really good performances in it, and there's some plot holes. But you know what? Damn it. It's a lot of fucking fun. Mm-hmm. And it tackles some stuff that's like, oh, that's kind of a heavy thing for a comic book movie. So you know what? I ain't going to hate on it. But let's talk about the auteur director, Christopher Nolan, who doesn't understand how American police talk. <laughs> so he uh, he is... Pretty, pretty renowned at this point. So let's talk his filmography leading up to this. So he start, he doesn't start with, let's start with Memento, Memento 2000, Insomnia 2002 with the Pacino, who's not quite shitty Pacino yet. Batman Begins in 2005, and then this directly after, right after uh, The Dark Knight 2008 does Inception 2010. So he, you know, it, he, he's like, uh, he's kind of building to this. You know, he's got like, some smaller movies like Memento and Insomnia are kind of smaller caring, driven, character-driven Still, dramas. Some psychopathic yeah. tendencies, yeah. But he, had, he hadn't yet helmed like a movie this big. Like Batman Begins was pretty big, but this was like even bigger. And he comes in and does this. Is this the best? I mean, is this his, his zenith? Is this like peak Nolan right now? Like at, to date? I, I mean, I think so. I think like he's never going to top this. When you talk about the, 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 the impact it had on society and pop culture now people are kind of keyed into Nolan and like what he does. So it's, you know, a lot of people like totally understand what he does and they think he's kind of hokey for doing it. Chris Nolan, you know, I think this is his peak. I think this is peak Nolan. I think movie actor Academy award. He changes the Oscars. They add five extra pictures to best picture because of this movie. Comic movies are put on the map. Sets the fire to comic movies. MCU happens like let's this film it, in Cinemax. I mean, let's film in a, uh... 70 millimeter yeah 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 he has like the imax camera i mean this is this is peak nolan man like it doesn't get better than this what do you think i think yeah i think that it took a while for other movies to catch up with what he did with this movie especially that it could have just been a comic book hero movie for sure for sure let's move into some categories uh who gets the most buckets in this movie best acting we're excluding heath ledger because it might be the best performance of all time so that's unfair uh i'm gonna go first I give it to Christian Bale. I think he's legit really good here. I think he plays a really good douchey, cocky Bruce Wayne, juxtaposed with a very serious Batman. And he holds his own in the scenes with Ledger. Like, he, he, there's a lot of times where he could just be totally outclassed and, like, everyone is. And like, ultimately, he is. But, like, he holds his own, and it seems legitimate, and he plays really well. And I think the scene where he's with Harvey and Rachel and the ballerina in the restaurant, and Harvey's going on a spiel... Bruce is acting all cocky and douchey. He's like, oh, you should know where your jurisdiction is. Like, duh, 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 duh. And Harvey's like talking about Batman and how he thinks Batman's like a noble being. The fact that he's like done these things in the city. And, and you can see the, the douchiness leave Bruce Wayne's face and the feeling of like, holy shit, this guy kind of gets it. And like, he does all that without a line. Like he does all that with little glances mm-hmm. to Rachel. And like, there's some really good work by Christian Bale here that goes very unnoticed. I remember reading a review that I really liked and I'm going to reference it here. It said like, he's like the, he's the uh, Al Pacino from the Godfather of this movie. Like without him, the movie doesn't work. Like he has to carry the whole movie and the, the, the skeleton of it on his shoulders. And he's not, he doesn't get any credit. Kind of like Pacino did in the first Godfather when Brando had like the big performance, like, right. the, you know, the game changing kind of Heath Ledger esque performance. The movie doesn't work unless the scenes with, um, with Batman, the main character and Michael Corleone, the main character of the Godfather, it don't work unless he pulls it off. So Christian Bale, honorable mention, man. He's, he's really good in this movie and really just wish no one hadn't augmented his voice after. Like the, the, the voice, the Batman voice is often made fun of, but 
Like that wasn't him. Like, oh, no one did that in uh, ADR. Like, did it after the fact. So, well, and luckily, luckily, uh, he did it again in Rises with Bane's voice. So he definitely learned a lesson about augmenting people's voices. Right, and, <laughs> right. And on the Dark, Dark Knight Rises podcast, we'll talk some serious ADR. <laughs> we got to. All right. So who do you got? Who do you got? I've got uh, Christian Bell. What do you got? Yeah, I think he's my first choice as well. I don't. See, I'm sure there's some great performances in this movie, but you know who cares? Heath Ledger. That's right. all I got to say. Yeah, I mean, that's the problem. I mean, those poor other actors. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Aaron Eckhart's good. Harvey Dent's good. Like he pulls off some of the some scenes, and like he pulls off The Shining, DA, this, and then name some other movies. I know, I know other movies that he's in. Thank you for smoking. And I wouldn't call him a good actor from those other movies. He's good at so. Thank you for smoking. He's good in Aaron Brockovich. He plays like the stoner boyfriend of Aaron Brockovich, like long hair. He really hadn't been, man, this is, this is definitely his high point. This movie after the fact, he really hasn't done anything, but he's, he's good in this movie. He plays a good upstanding DA, like that has like a really dark, angry side. Like he pulls off the alley scene when he's interrogating the guy. And then at the end, when he's the, when he's two faced, like when you like the slip in the coin is about to kill a kid. <laughs> like that, That's an intense ass scene, but he, he pulls it off and he has this kind of like dude, duplicity to him like looks like a pretty boy but then might be you know might be like he beat his wife or something like he has that kind of weird element to him that's hard to pull off so let's talk the six man slash woman award makes the most of their role with limited screen time who you got for six man or woman hold on one second i have to figure out how to say his name dalmachian what's his name the guy who plays the insane Oh, oh, paranoid uh, schizophrenic who oh, gets yeah. captured by Harvey Dent. <laughs> what is his David, name? David Tom, S. Malkin. Yeah, David yeah, S. Malkin, yeah. yeah. The kind of coming Joker of tracks. <laughs> yeah, he's an Ant-Man. He's the, was the Russian guy or Ukrainian guy in Ant-Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's good. He's good. Yeah. He, he is. And he, like, he's just a small character actor. I yeah. think that he's... I think it's a kind of an integral role that he plays there, and I think he does well in that. He does. Minimal, minimal screen time. Yeah. He portrays the guy who's there at points, and then paranoid schizophrenic at other points, and yeah. <laughs> terrified, but also welcomes the the scariness. I buy that. I buy that. I think he's got um, that. You know, he comes off the probably six man type role, like gets you know gets you fifteen points and like you know a couple alley oops, big time plays. He's you know he's a huge role player there. Uh, I buy that. Uh, so I picked the bank manager played by William Fichter. Love this guy. Like this is the definition of a six man to me. This guy is on screen for like 50 seconds. Like and maybe get about him for the rest of the movie. <laughs> well, I know, but like I, I do all the time. I say like, you know who you're stealing from? <laughs> yeah. You and your friends are dead. <laughs> You and your friends are dead. And, and like, I, dude, I fucking say that all the time. Like in complete situations, it made no sense. Like I'm always like, you know who you're stealing from? I just love doing that line. Like, love it. So, so I'm fired up about this guy. And like, he's like, what do you believe in? What do you believe in? Like, I, I'm just, I'm all in William Victor in this role. Whatever doesn't kill you makes you strange. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think Victor comes in, you know, does a really good job with like 50 seconds. Right. And I think he gets, you, yeah. he gets you 20 points, seven assists, three steals in very limited <laughs> minutes. He's coming in hot. I I think also that they had, uh, they, they wanted to give Dwight Yoakam, the country singer, this part. Like he was supposed to have this role, which is wild to think about, right? I don't know who that is. He's a country singer, Dwight Yoakam. All right. Have you seen Panic Room? 
Nope. With uh, with Jodie Foster? Come on. Hold on. I'm Googling it right now. With Jodie Foster and Ryan Reynolds, right? No, not Ryan Reynolds. Not Panic Room. No. Who's <laughs> in Panic Room? What's the Oh, Safe Room. I'm thinking of Safe Room. No, get out of here. We're, we're cutting this shit out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's, <laughs> all right. So moving to Boy, ISO play. I see him. Got it. <laughs> all right. Moving to the ISO play. The single greatest scene. I've got six nominations right now, but you can write another one in. The opening bank robbery heist, the Joker double cross reveal. Uh, where they're it's all going like, to Kobe. Oh, it's going to Kobe. <laughs> the why so serious scene with Gamble. The magic trick, the Joker intro in the kitchen where he introduces himself to the mobsters and reveals his plan and stabs a guy through the eye with a pencil. The truck chase, I think, is what your YouTube video was trying to. Yeah, yeah. The dinner with Bruce and Harvey where Bruce sees a different side of Harvey that I referenced earlier. And the hospital scene at the end with uh, with Harvey Dent and the Joker. Basically, all Joker scenes, not surprising because he's like electric. All right. The Joker is on screen. This is a two and a half hour long movie. Literally two, two hours and 37 minutes. The Joker is on screen for 45 minutes of it. So the other hour and like 30 minutes or 45 minutes, nah. With the 45 minutes, he's yeah. like, wow, this is electric. But that's how crazy. Like, he's on screen for 45 well, minutes and he controls and Nolan made it a Joker centric movie after he passed away or as much as he, like he added to it. So it may have been like 30 minutes of Joker time. If Heath Ledger was still, Is that true? yeah, he said he edited it more to feature all the little quirks and everything he could get of Heath Ledger's last performance. Oh, I didn't know that. And again, that may just be one of the urban legends surrounding this movie, but read it on the internet. Classic so, half-assed internet research. Yeah. Read it on the internet. <laughs> All right, so what do you? What's your ISO play scene? What's your greatest scene? And you can add one into. I put the truck scene just because it like there's so many different parts to it, but it's it's electric. Batman's in it. Gordon's in it. The Joker's in it. It's got that sound, you know, that aura that we had talked about, like where it, it's quiet. There's a there's thirty seconds where nobody says anything. The Joker just ratchets up his his weapons. Like he he fires a little a semi-automatic pistol at the thing. And I guess they do say like that can't get through, and he's gonna, he says it's going to take something a lot bigger than that to get through here. And then he whips out the uh, bazooka mm-hmm. and Is starts that a shooting. Bazooka? But the Joker doesn't say anything that for that time. Yeah. And they pull up in a truck trailer that says laughter is the best medicine, but it says slaughter is the best medicine. Oh, man. man, that's so good. The tumbler comes flying through the air to absorb a, a, a grenade, <laughs> like. It's just an epic scene at that. But then they flip a truck, which they did in real life. They flip flip a, a semi. Eighteen um, front end over end. Part is when the Joker gets out and he like he has a machine gun in his hand and he like fires it a quick burst as he's walking out. He trips and, and fires it. Yeah, trips and hits the thing and he uses the gun as like a little lever. And then he's yeah. walking. He's shooting the gun. Come on, come on, do it. I want you to do it. Come on. I want you to do it. Like, come on. I want you to do it. I want you to do it. That is just a huge buildup. And then we see Batman do his thing where he doesn't hurt anybody. And then, you know, I don't like this part where he's all of a sudden unconscious because he rolls his motorcycle. Like, no, Batman's not unconscious. So I don't like that ending to the scene. But the whole rest of the scene, that's my ISO play scene. That's a good scene. 
I watched it last night and I watched it on in Blu-ray on like a, a nice TV with good sound. Dude, it's such a cinematic movie. Like, first of all, yeah. the first shot of the movie is like after the credits, which are excellent. It's just like the music building and then the flame blue Batman symbol. And then it cuts right into like a pan across the city. And it's like just not, you know, just slow pan for like seven seconds. Then the window blows out. And you're right in the middle of a bank heist. You're like, fuck, yeah, dude. I mean, it's it's a really well shot, really well edited, really well directed movie. I mean, despite the fact you can make fun of some holes in the scripts, like it is tight and it is really good. The truck chase scene I put up against any action set piece in the history of movies like that is when you consider all the stakes of everything that have happened to that point, like the fact that you can develop the characters and have a badass action scene in the same scene doesn't happen a lot. I mean, usually it's like one or the other. Usually it's like explosions and fun shit for that sake, or, oh, we're going to have like a little small scene in an interrogation room with some characters. But this was like bridge that scene. Mm-hmm. Fucking good, man. Like, it's so good. Like when they, I mean, just when he blow, kills the cop, like when he comes out of nowhere on the 18 wheeler and just blow, like shoots, kills the cop. And then like, they, they see the, the truck on fire, the, the fire truck, and they divert down there. And then, like, there's some oh, – oh, man, it's just riveting. It's honestly – it's why you watch movies. And it, when I, even when I watch it now, it's like the feeling I get when I watch it is exactly what I felt when I first watched it in the theater, which, like, everyone's just on the edge of their seat. Like, holy shit, I can't believe this shit's happening right now. Like, that, that's it's actually Batman's, happening. That's Batman's – when Luke Skywalker goes through the tunnel and shoots the proton torpedoes into the thing, the tunnel run, the – Best star run, the the trench run, the beginning. The of, trench, you know, yes, yeah. yeah, that's the trench run. I think that's, yeah. it's Joker's trench run scene because you know it's going to end up all right, but you're on the edge of your seat. It's also entertaining, like the big baddies there. I don't know, and Han Solo, like Batman's Han Solo in that scene. He comes in and he he ruins Death, Darth Vader's plans of shooting the truck out of the you know out of the trench. Yeah, man, but, and they take like they take like like two weeks and shoot this whole thing live action like that this shit happened like they they launched a SWAT truck into a river in Chicago <laughs> they flipped a semi they had real trucks crashing into each other and like real explosions you can tell because it looks real and it's not a floating country eastern european country you know held with up engines in the bottom of it <laughs> you know what it's more riveting even though there's one percent less going on and that's because you care about the characters because it feels real and like i'll stand by that i'm like a anti-cgi guy but like so is the spiritual successor to this movie mad max (laughs) yeah yeah it is i mean and and honestly this is like a successor to that because he's been doing those the mad max movies for a long time but yes it it does it has that feel to it and like no one is the he's probably the greatest at this now like i guess the mad max guy too but like it, it feels awesome and still hasn't aged a day. Like literally the scene will always be a badass. There, there will be no point where you show a kid the scene, like no matter how many years from now, and like it will be badass. Like it won't have aged a day. There's no point because yeah. it's all real. It really happened. That's what you get when you like actually shoot real things. And so yeah, I mean I'm I'm hyped about that scene for sure. That's probably gonna be my pick too. Honestly, it's so badass. Like and it's right at the middle of the movie, and it's like all the main players are involved. Then there's the various, I mean, the why so serious scene with Gamble, the the first revealing of his like backstory and how he got the scars is like the first moment when I think you realize how good he is. Like he has the opening, like these cops and lawyers wouldn't dare cross any of you. Like he has that whole shit. But the 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 why so serious scene where he starts to get a little I'm bit malevolent. Not, yeah, I'm yeah. Not crazy. You could tell he wants to kill Gamble at I'm that not. point too. Yeah, like yeah, he's he gives him that look and he marks him. Yeah, yes. And 
there's little elements of the performance you can notice and think about. But the Wild Stuff series theme is the moment where you realize like he's like actually very evil and very sociopath. Like the way he delivers the he starts he gets anger and anger and it starts to get a little scary. Like at first it's like kind of funny when he talks about their balls dropping off and like you know like mm-hmm, when he's got like the the, the grenade thing. But then the why so serious scene was you're like, oh shit. And the scene when it really culminates, I feel like, is when he tortures the guy in the Batman thing and he goes like, look at me. Yeah. Tell them your name. Brian. Don't <laughs> Are you the real Batman? No. 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 <laughs> then why do you dress up like him? <laughs> He's a symbol. We don't have to be afraid of scum like you. Yeah, you do, Brian. You really do. Huh? Yeah. Oh, sh- 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 so you think Batman's made Gotham a better place? Mm-hmm. Look at me. Look at me! See, this is how crazy Batman's made Gotham. If you want order in Gotham, Batman must take off his mask and turn himself in. Oh, and every day he doesn't, people will die. Starting tonight. I'm a man of my word. That scene, when everyone, I remember everyone, when he says that, that scene literally shuts everyone in the audience up. Yeah. I saw this five times in theaters. So I would always watch this scene and watch the audience. And like it cuts to like a small, like a really quiet pan into a built like pan into the party right after the scene to like let everyone react to the fact that that was fucking just totally shook them. Like yeah. they literally watched the Joker like murder someone and like laugh about it. So yeah, I mean, that's a, uh, that might be my pick, honestly. Like I love that in the recording scene. Like it's just so jokery and like he has the laugh, he has the. The funniness of like the when he's like toying with the guy, he has like the serious of like this guy's like really really evil when he has the look at me, and so that that's a great fucking scene, man. There's just so many good scenes in this movie. They usually all involve the Joker. The, the it's a I mean, it's a it's a timeless movie. So we're gonna move to most quotable quote. What do you got here? There's I I think mine is I think mine is it has to be because he literally states the theme of the movie. It's Harvey Dent. You either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. I feel like that's got to be it. That's the quote from the movie. There's, yeah, I, I think there's a couple, and that's one of them. I think the he's the hero that Gotham uh, deserves, but not the one it needs right now. Not the one it needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does, that, what does that mean? Also, <laughs> like uh, that, I realize that's like the most quotable. Like that is the, one of the most quoted quotes from this movie but it doesn't make any sense which is kind of funny to me but you know whatever well that scene is just so awkward like he's monologuing and it like it to doesn't son? make his like yeah. eight-year-old son yeah yeah <laughs> son's like hey he's uh the why, dark why are we blaming this on batman he's like because son shakespeare <laughs> quartets like <laughs> you'll understand this when you're older <laughs> yeah yeah, that really doesn't make any sense. When it, when you watch the movie, it makes sense because they cut it over the footage of him running. But like in the context, but of even what that doesn't make sense. Saying, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. Also, Alfred, some some men aren't looking for anything logical mm-hmm. like money that can't be bought, bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. 
then it pans in on the Joker's face. That's a fucking I would good line. Say, I would say that's the one that I've quoted the most in ten in the last ten years. Like some men would just want to watch the world burn. Like whenever I do anything that doesn't make any sense, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm busting that line out. That's true. We do riff on that line a lot. I'd say that's the most like bro quoted line of this movie. Yeah, I mean that's true. Why is Alfred also like? Uh, it's weird to me that Alfred like has these scenes where he just delivers these like very on point historical elements of his life, and it's like, dude, do you have a story for everything? You know, like he's like. <laughs> And it, like in, in this movie, he's like, I was, I met a burglar in Burma and hit a ruby the size of a tangerine. When I was Marshall working with Cannon. Rambo. <laughs> and then in the Dark Knight Rises, he's like, some men grow up in a prison. Some men. And he like inserts like the origin of Bane, basically. It's like his role is to like show up in the Batcave with some breakfast mm-hmm. and deliver the origin of the villain. It's like, it eventually it gets old. But th- this scene lands. I mean, it that or at least that line's like, yeah, I, I remember the very first trailer for this movie was over the bat signal. It was like the flaming blue Batman emblem, and it was that line. Like it was just it, with no footage. It was like the very very early teaser before we saw any footage, like mm-hmm. two years right after they cast Ledger, and they it had the flaming bat emblem. That line, some men just want to watch the world burn. Then it was the Joker laugh, Heath Ledger's Joker laugh, and like cut to black, and like I was like, oh fuck, dude. Like I think that might have been the point where I was like, hell yeah, we they they're nailing this shit. Nice. But what do you think about? So you added the let me get this straight line. The uh, the shout yeah, out to I, shout out to I, Lucas Fox. Shout out to Morgan. Yeah, we got to get Morgan Freeman in there. He's trying he's his best to act like he understands the technology that his character understands, <laughs> even though he probably doesn't know how to use a computer. Uh, <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> Three buttons is a little nineties, Mister Wayne. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we got some good quotes in there. So my favorite, the DiCaprio overacting award, where one character screams, cries, drools, and or acts in excess of what is required. Who do you give that role and or award to in this movie, The Dark Knight? I feel bad because you nominated him as uh, as a great actor in this movie, but I'd give it to Aaron Eckhart in, uh, <laughs> once he becomes Two-Face. Okay. Example? <laughs> Well, when he first sees the Joker, when when the Joker reveals himself with the uh, mask, and he's, I'd say, I'd say, I'd say it's when he sees uh, Gordon. He's like, oh, when he's talking that, to Gordon, what was that yeah. name you had down for me in Eternal Affairs? <laughs> then he's like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, say it. And Gordon's like, I don't know what he's like. Say it. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's jarring, but it's like you know, all right. There's a lot of yelling. Yeah. Like at that one point, he's like, you can't give in to Batman in the alley. Yeah, he has some yelling. I don't think he overacts, though. I think he acts like a guy that has bipolar disorder. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Shit. I'm just riffing now. <laughs> Maybe he does suck. I think he's pretty good. I, I, I'm, I'm riding for I'm riding for Aaron Eckhart right now. I'm in his corner. I'm jumping in the sidecar with that card. All right. But I, but I respect your pick. Mine is, despite the fact that I love him in this movie, so this is like a positive overacting award. This is like, fuck yeah, you did it exactly the way you should have. The Chechen, dude. Richie Coster coming at you. I love him for it. <laughs> Look what your drugs did to my customers. <laughs> That's why we bring dogs. <laughs> my dogs are hungry. I can just do it all day. Man. Yeah, I can do I'm it just, all day. just keep going. <laughs> I, can do it all, I, I, can, I can do it all day. Get yeah. the world out. We hired the clown. We got to fix real problem. <laughs> Batman. <laughs> okay, yeah. Good job. Uh, uh, he's the best. He's, Richie Coster just coming in hot, just like delivering lines in just a campy way, like a very, a very comic booky villain gangster way. And I love him for it. 
Love it. All right. Important award, Nicolas Cage. Who do you replace with Nicolas Cage? This yeah. You got to go first this time. Uh, I replace the cop that his, his, uh, his dad or his mom's in the hospital and he's in the car. Oh, like, oh like, my God. Gun. And like, and, uh, and, he, <laughs> and he's looking like more deranged. Yeah. Eventually he goes full face off and it's like, showing him like sweating, like more profusely. Like, sweat. Pretty soon he's like from airplane, like, sweating. Or, like, <laughs> and he's like, it's Berg, isn't it, son? Also, those text messages age horribly. Like when, uh, when yeah. Gordon texts, honestly, it's, like, like, techno- it's, technology it's hard to really look at it. It is. It, it is like and how the text come through like in three different ones. Like why was yeah. it just like one text? Yeah. Like, the cell phones are the only part that I think is aged poorly in well, this movie. And it's just the texting. They they call a lot on cells, but whatever. Like that that happens now. Like and you can't really see the cell, but when you text, yeah. like otherwise it's fine. And the computers, like the desktops and stuff, are look like monitors that we have now. Honestly, like mm-hmm. the so that doesn't really age poorly. But yeah, the cell that texting part. Is really the only like tech part that age really bad, but otherwise, like I can ride with it. Yeah, so I got I got Berg, Berg, the police officer at Cage's mom. Hope she's okay in the hospital. Hope they rolled her out of Gotham Hospital for the Joker uh, kablooied it, and uh, that's what I got. What do you got? Uh, I would replace the uh, chemical barrels and the countdown timer with where Rachel and Two Face are captive, <laughs> and him. I want Nicholas Cage going ten. Nine, eight, <laughs> seven, six, Harvey, Harvey, five, okay. <laughs> four. They're coming for you, eight. Harvey. I just want Nick Cage's face <laughs> and the little timer going two, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> We're going after the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that'd be good. Anytime you can replace an inanimate object with Nicolas Cage, with I Nick think it Cage. resoundly makes it better. <laughs> yeah. There's no situation where that's not better. Man, talking the Dark Knight, man. The Dark Knight's a fun movie. Let me take this moment also to shout out again one of the Barn Burner sponsors, uh, Blue Note Bourbon. It is one of the premier local Memphis bourbons. It's a local distillery and it's delicious. It's very smooth. So check it out. I know Bruce Wayne would likely drink Blue Note Bourbon. So check that out. It's available in local liquor stores in Memphis now. He told me when Bruce Wayne thinks bourbon, he thinks Blue Note. Thinks Blue Note. Thinks Blue Note. Uh, let's talk the final thoughts and scores. One through four barns can use decimal points like those shits on fire. I'm going first. This movie is a top 10 movie for me still. Like it's a formative movie for me. It will never get dumped out of my top 10, despite the fact that it might be a little dopey in some places. Cause it's such a cultural critical and performance based, just work of art. Like that just impacted me at the perfect age. So it's, it's, it's a uh, four barns on fire, dude. Some men just want to watch the world burn. The chief does. Heath Ledger does. Christopher Nolan does, despite the fact that he, might be a robot, and uh, and that's what I got. What do you got? What do you give the, the Dark Knight? Yeah, I mean, if somebody says, all right, we've got two and a half hours, and we have to sit down in a nice, cold movie theater, this would be one of the go-to films, for sure, that come to mind, right up there with some Star Wars movies. Yeah, I mean, every single movie I think we've done, I've given it full Barnes on Fire, so just to throw in a little chaos, I'm not lighting any matches. Well, some, 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 uh, you're an agent of chaos, dude. If tomorrow you tell the press that uh, some that soldiers are going to be shot or, <laughs> or a truckload of soldiers going to be blown up. Nobody bats an eye. It's all part of the plan. <laughs> I'm like uh, a dog chasing cars. If I caught one, I wouldn't know what to do with my car. 
Wow, wow. We're, they should hire us for the if they do the Dark Knight on stage. Broadway, we're available. Oh, man. Kansas Off Broadway, Red too. Red, Ready Player One. Got to get the Dark Knight on Broadway. Hire us to play the Joker. We'll just alternate nights. We'll be excellent. Like Creed from The Office Joker. Why so serious? <laughs> I'll be Kevin. I'll be Kevin from The Office Joker. <laughs> Uh, rewatchability. I bought this on Blu-ray a long time ago. It was like one of the first Blu-rays I owned. I mean, it's just like a excellent Blu-ray too. If you guys are movie enthusiasts in terms of you have a nice TV and a Blu-ray player, this is a movie that looks awesome on a Blu-ray still. Like it's just one of those movies that was made for it and a nice big TV and some good sound. Like it's a, you can create kind of a theatrical experience in your living room and, uh, and Biggie Burns and I did last night. What about you, Brett? Yeah, I uh, I bought it. I'm sure I went to Walmart the night it came out way back when and uh, bought it. I've had it on Blu-ray since it came out. Um, it, yeah, it's like one of those, as you're talking, like it's one of those movies where if I just had like an, a sick-ass setup 10 years from now and I'm a millionaire, like I would be playing the Dark Knight Blu-ray in the background just to like show off how cool it is. For sure, for sure. Well, thanks for joining me. Uh, the press conference comes out and I have to reveal who we all are at the barn burner. I'm going to name you as my accomplice and tell them the whole thing was your idea. This has been another episode of In the Can, part of the Barnburner Podcast Network. I'm the Chief. I'm here with Kansas City Bread, a.k.a. Ready Player One. And we're talking The Dark Knight. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We look forward to talking to you again and talking to another movie. Brett, see you later, buddy. <laughs>